All right, hello and welcome to the Been Talking With Peak Performers podcast. On this podcast, we talk to peak performers in their field so you can then go perform at your best. Before I start this show, I want to talk to you guys about an initiative that I've started and that is producing podcasts for business owners and people that want their own amazing podcast and amazing marketing content on the back end of that. A bit more about that at the end of the show, but for now, let's get into our guest for today and that is Michael Zupa. Michael is a martial arts instructor and gym owner in Melbourne. He specializes in self-defense Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and competitive mixed martial arts. Michael also helps people overcome anxiety and depression and really helps people get to the next level in their life. Michael himself struggled with anxiety and in some days he couldn't get out of the house but he's now a winner and he loves what he's doing for health and martial arts. He's an amazing guy that didn't disappoint in this episode. A lot of value for you. Looking forward to you guys to get into this one. So let's go. Super, Michael, thank you so much for coming on the show. You are an author, a personal trainer by, by trade as well, do a lot in the mental health sector and you like to poke people on, on social media, which I find fun. Uh, but that's mm-hmm. what my sum up would be of you. But for people listening along that don't know you, uh, yeah, tell us a bit about yourself. Um, okay. Thank you for the question and thanks for inviting me. Um, uh, I think that my elevator speech would be, I have the audacity to do that which I desire and to make money out of it. Um, so that I guess I'm motivated to follow my dreams and passions and stuff if that's my work. So yeah, I have the audacity to make my work exciting and things I'm interested in. Um, and would recommend, you know, when I'm building a business at the start, it's usually pretty stressful and, you know, a few tins of tuna for dinner, but you know, I always get myself into the place that I want to be and then just coast for a while until I get a new interest or something. So, Yeah, that, that's awesome. I think you touched on something there that's quite powerful. You have the audacity to do what you love to do. Um, some people say that a paycheck is what they pay you the price to give up your dreams. Uh, mm. Do you think you kind of relate to that in, in the many ventures that you've done? Yeah, yeah. Um, it didn't take me long to figure it out. I was working, um, I worked at Subway for ages um, and got free sandwiches, which was great. Um, but then I worked at uh, Coles, you know, stacking shelves. And it didn't take me long to realize that I spent all of my money on de-stressing when I had my job. It's just like, oh, well, this is pointless. Like you spend it all on, you know, lunch and parking and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But it's, you sort of end up with nothing. And, you know, I just drank a lot and, to cope with it and it's like well this is not getting I wasn't getting anywhere and so then um yeah when I started doing personal training um I was, I was waitering at the same time and that was a good job I liked the people I was with but um it just it was really fascinating to me that I could just kind of hang out with people while they were working out because that's what you do at gyms anyway is like hang out with people and, and work out and then um I just kind of used my martial arts thing as a competitive edge like it just um sort of happened that way people were like oh cool punching and kicking rad and then 10 years later um you know i've got a fairly successful martial arts business i've got like a troop of of um you know loyal fans who are good friends with each other there's like a culture around that business and stuff and i'm actually kind of um stepping away from that business and from personal training just because uh the underlying um skill set that i had of being a leader and a coach and um inspiring confidence in people whether that was like the ability to defend themselves you know to get their diet and their body under control to 
the place where they felt good about themselves. Um, so that um, current of uh, in, inspiring confidence in people, I've just kind of hunkered down on that and I've got a different niche now and I'm just doing it in a different way, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think I probably did you a bit of disjustice there in my intro. I, I forgot the martial arts side of things, but personal training, when you get your body right, you have more confidence. Um, if you know how to fight, you have more confidence. So it, it makes sense that the underlying theme here is is confidence um yeah what's what sort of led you led you to i mean was it the experience with yourself like okay now i know how to defend myself so going out on the town i'm not going to be scared Mm. like did you did you have a break in there for yourself yeah and i think um you know i got bullied a bit in high school um i don't know if you can see but i'm sort of ethnic looking and you know i was a bit odd i'm a bit of an introvert so i didn't always fire back when people were verbally teasing me or whatever um and you know you can be a bit of a weird kid when you're quiet and sort of you know people pick on you if you're a bit different and that and then um I just found that when I did stand up to bullies not only did it give me a huge boost in self-esteem and that but it got me a bunch of attention as well so it's kind of this negative um reinforcement of a bad behavior you know but positive reinforcement of a anti-social behavior so um I sort of had this hero complex you know I'm like I'm the bully killer and and then in my um you know uh early adulthood and that when I'd get in sort of altercations it was always kind of defending someone or protecting someone and it's funny one of my brother's friends said to me one day he goes oh you're always saving people and I was like wow that's cool that that's common knowledge that like people talk about that and they're like oh he's always getting involved and jumping in and getting himself in trouble but it's always like righteously defending you know the meek or you know yeah and it was a bit like that and you know if if i'm completely honest there was a bit of a self-righteousness in that like i'm the hero and you're the bad guy there was a bit of a Mm. ridiculous like comic book sort of thing yeah 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 yeah. uh it's actually yeah it's actually funny so i lost my phone a while ago um well i thought i lost it and uh, I thought someone just stole it and like turned it off and all that kind of thing. And my girlfriend was like sending it messages going like, we'll find you. We know who you are. And my, my first thought, my first thought in, in my head, cause like people that steal phones, they don't steal the phone to have the phone. They steal the phone because they're leveraging the emotion of you want your phone back. So they'll be like, Oh, I'll give you, you know, you pay me a hundred dollars and I'll give you your phone back. The, the first thought that went through my head, cause we've known each other for a while. I was like, right. If someone's stolen my phone and I can find the location, I'm going to contact Zupa and we're going to go to the, <laughs> he's going to bring Dale along and, yeah. and we're going to go find this guy and, and Zupa's going to be, be the hero. Like that was, uh, so you didn't get that call because I found my phone. Um, <laughs> but, but I'm sure that would have been something you would have, would have taken on. Yeah, look, um, in my teenage years so i've been sober since i was 20 um as well per done. the book which um, i'm sure you'll ask He's me about later will, um, yeah but before that a friend of mine he called me uh one day and he's an absolute hooligan he's a comedian and um he's he's bipolar as well so he's he's an interesting interesting chap and um apparently i was at a toga party so i don't really remember we were drinking like friday to sunday kind of thing and i nearly got fired because i tried to go to work on sunday and they're like get out of here like you're drunk (laughs) nearly got fired um so this guy tom called me sometime on saturday night and then picks me up in a van with his mates to come and get into some fight right (laughs) so you know he's 
to, to defend his honor. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm coming and stuff. And I had like a bottle of schnapps in my hand. I remember I'm drinking in the van, like, yeah, I'm going to sort this out or whatever. And so the van breaks down somewhere. Like, I don't know where, in the middle of nowhere. So we're all just hanging around outside the van. And somehow I got into a fight with somebody else, like, which I don't remember. But um, apparently I punched this kid because he hit me with his belt for some reason. I don't know why he decided to hit me with his belt. So I punched him and then a bit later he came back with all his brother and all their mates and they were like, and he's like, oh, did you hit my brother? I'm like, who are you? Like, no, I didn't. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I did hit that guy. Sorry. And he's like, shake his hand. And I'm like, okay. okay. And then, then they just left. I was like, yeah, that went pretty well. Like, yeah. And I think that's, <laughs> that's actually, all I remember. That's actually an important <laughs> lesson in terms of escalation. Like if, um, if you escalated that and were like, yeah, I hit him and I'm going to hit him again but there's five other blokes that would have turned into a fight. But you were like, no, 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 I'll just shake hands and walk away. Like it de-escalated the situation. I think a lot of yeah. martial arts is about um, having the confidence to, if something throws down, you can throw down. But a lot yeah. of it's prevention, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, that de-escalation thing, um, I teach to very young kids and they get it. Like they get it probably better than adults do because adults will sort of argue. They'll go, yeah, but you know, are you going to reward that kind of behavior? They'll come up with really complex cerebral reasons to not um, take it on board. But, you know, when I sit there with a toddler and a brother who's, you know, a few years older and I go, you know, when you're annoying each other because you're bored and then you're like, <laughs> yeah, it's like that feeling means you're about to get attacked because when you go up and annoy them, what are they going to do? They're like, yeah, he's going to hit me back, blah, blah, blah. And, um, and then when I say this bit, I go, you know, it's like, no, you shut up. No, you shut up. No, you shut up. I'll kill you. Like, there's never a dry in the house. Like, all of them are like, oh, it's so true. Like, all these little kids like, oh. Like, they get escalation because they do it all the time. They just, you know. And then the parent comes in and tells off the oldest one and the youngest one's just like, <laughs> you know, it's just. But it's it's so um, true to them that they'll, they'll admit it. And then uh, one of the things I teach them is like, so whose responsibility is it to diffuse it, right? It's the, the, the person who starts it <laughs> or is it the person who's getting antagonised to respond, who gets triggered basically, right, in adult terms? And like, it's both of you. Whoever can de-escalate, whoever can go, oh, I better not annoy them. Or, you know what, I'm not going to respond. Like, they're just trying to get a rise out of me. Like, you're both at fault. You're both at risk. Whoever can be the bigger person is the winner because otherwise it's lose-lose. If you can go, nah, I'm not doing this. It's you're you're ending a conflict before it happens, and so, and you yeah. can see they get that as well. They go, yeah, true. Like whether you start it or you finish it, you know, it's it's stuff. Like everyone gets in trouble, everyone gets hurt, everyone cries, you know, and they yeah, get the, it. The classic saying is like, you know, it's the funny thing of someone will have a broken arm, and then you'll say, oh, you should see the other guy, but mate, you still have a broken <laughs> arm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's no, there's no winners. Yeah, no winners. That's it. That's it. Um, I want to touch on the fighting element one more and then I, uh, you said something that I'll go back to. Um, something a friend of mine who he's a mixed martial artist fighter, he does a lot of weight training as well, uh, has a beard, looks, looks intimidating, shout out to Jordan. Um, he says that he goes into business situations with confidence because he knows how to box, he knows how to fight. Not that business meetings end in fights, but it's just coming back to the confidence thing, he just walks in with a little bit more kind of, I don't know, yeah. gumption? Do, do you sort of feel that as well? Yeah, yeah. And um, I hate to get gendered with it, but um, I think that there is an underlying thing in males like 
could he bash me? Like just all the time. They, mm. You're always sizing people up like, can I bash you or are you going to bash me, right? And, um, you know, I think some of the respect in the boardroom stuff, which idealistically should be equally distributed and stuff, is just like she can't bash me. Like there's just the underlying, like that woman's not going to end my life if this conversation goes badly. And the truth is a woman can end your life with the, the paperweight, you know, or a pen or, in the eye. Or they could, be, they could be just as trained as well. I mean, look at Ronda Rousey. Absolutely. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and I know a lot of women in Melbourne who would kill me. They'd end my life. If the, if the conversation did go badly, they could end my life and I wouldn't be able to stop them. Um, but I think men are always kind of sniffing each other like, could you kill me? No. And it's like, I don't have to watch my, my mouth around you because I would kill you and vice versa. Dude's like, oh, I better watch my mouth around him. Like, if this doesn't go too well, he might kill me. And I think that that's just the underlying mammalian brain thing, you know? Yeah, I mean, if I look at my experience, like, when I was out 18, 19, like, I'm tall. So you might have – I got the odd person who was trying to, like, muscle me out because they saw me as, like, the tallest person. And and because of that, go back to the de escalation. I was never one to fight. I would always just use my words, and like I got very mm. just. And I think it's why I love marketing, sales, and and everything consumer behavior because I just I just ended up talking to the person, and then found out that oh okay they were just trying to size me up, and now that I'm friends with them, they don't want to hit me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> it's interesting. Um, you said yeah. so. You've been sober since twenty. Did you say? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So so was that the experience prior to that? Was that what brought on your book, uh, Highly Intoxicated Youth? Is that the, the, the framework? I... And, I mean, a lot of it was violence. It was drugs and, um, you know, there's a lot of desperation in that drug scene where people are, um, you know, they're self-medicating their depression and anxiety. So they're desperate, desperate to get away with themselves and it's, you know, in hindsight, I realized it's more the ritual than it is the actual chemical of whichever drug that, that people choose. Cause it's just like, if I have, if I have one of these, I'm going to be okay. It's, it's a placebo. You know, you, you tell yourself if I can just get one of them, then I'm going to be okay. Whether that's cask wine or heroin, you know, and, um, you know, homeless people are, are, you know, they're trying to get through the predicament that they've ended up in. And it's, Everyone's like, oh, why don't you get a job? And it's like, I'm just trying to feel okay today. Like the the level one survival needs of like somewhere to eat, somewhere to sleep, go to the toilet, have a shower. Like those needs are not being met. And it's like, uh, well, I can't really get that together today, but I can probably get on, you know, I can probably get some drugs into my body. And it's it's complete and utter desperation. It's There's no like premeditated, yeah, it's, it's a good day to do ecstasy today. Like it's just... A compulsion, and because of that, people are really, really desperately, you know, manipulative, controlling, dominating, um, underhanded, and you know, backstabbing and lying and burning bridges is just like it's common practice. Like if it happens to you, it's your fault. You're like, oh, I should have seen that coming. You know, it's not. So, like, I trusted you. That's not how that works in that corner of the world. So, I was, I was pretty lucky and pretty keen to get out of it, and because um, um, I studied psych for the last six years part time. Um, one of the things that I read in criminology was there's like adolescent limited offenders and, and life course persistent offenders who are, you know, career criminals. And it's just lucky I managed to get myself out at that sort of 19 year old time. I was like, nah, this is terrible. You know, I managed to get out because um, there's not really a curve in people dropping off in their thirties or forties. Like when you're in, you're in, you know, you're a drug dealer. That's it. Mm-hmm. 
Well done. Well so, done. So, so what made you get out and then and then two pronged? How did you get out? Was there a run in with law enforcement? Did they do their job in terms of restoration, or did you did you actually just find a way out? You were able to notice, well, this is um this is destructive behaviour, and and I'm going to get out. Yeah. What was your sort of path? Well, that was kind of why I wrote the book because it's very um it's very palatable, and it, you know you can identify with myself as the character because it's very honest i'm like this happened ha, ha, ha this happened uh oh and you know you're sort of taken on a ride where these bits of insight come into it you're sort of blindsided by um, the growth and the personal um insight and stuff so hopefully people read it thinking it's funny and then they go oh actually i can do this like it's just one one step at a time and you know instead of spending our money on beer one day my, my mate and I got Subway and we're eating these healthy sandwiches and we're like, ah, oh, it doesn't get any better than this. And it's like, we're proud of ourselves because we didn't buy beer, you know, and it's just one little, you know, it's, it's one cigarette you don't smoke at a time, you know, just bit by bit. And then you, I don't need this. I don't need this. I don't need this until, you know, you want something else. And um, what's really cute is in that book, you know, I end up with this really nice girl and, um, and it's it's true, like when I met her and all that's in the story. And uh, she's my girlfriend now. Like twenty years later, uh, I was like, "Hey, do you remember? Do you remember when we met? And you know, we had a little fling when we were teenagers." And she's like, "Oh, nice to hear from you, buddy." And then we've been dating for nearly three years now. It's really, wow. it's quite adorable. Yeah, wow, that's fantastic. That's one, mm. you know, that's one of those. Uh, that could be a movie, man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it could be a movie. Very, very cool. Yeah. Um. So I want to actually touch into all of your work uh, with mental health. So you've, you've studied psychology. Um, you're very, uh, very into, um, I might mispronounce it, but kinesiology. Um, yeah, yeah. So yep. Next to the book, there's a Chinese medicine chart as well. So uh, yep. yeah, kinesiology with the Chinese medicine. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Um, yeah, so look, I, I'm very open on this podcast. And I think even part of why I do it is is a way to to share my uh, journey with, with mental health often if it comes up um, which it always does um, I do talk on it so so myself uh, diagnosed with bipolar 2 mainly the thing that um, I struggle so that's kind of misdiagnosed as well a lot of people think it's uh, you're up and down up and down up and down but for me all it means is I'll go through periods of sustained depression uh, and then maybe periods of heightened activity um, from there I've even reframed it to be okay so depression gives me an insight into myself that a lot of people don't get uh, but through the lessons and the learning and then the uh, other side of things gives me a level of creativity motivation passion and, and work ethic that a lot of other people don't have too so yeah. so that's how I kind of frame my stuff but yeah let's let's talk so so you've done a lot of work in the field um, yeah let's let's just have a riff about about mental health um, I know it's a very broad question but yeah, what do you like mm. to say when someone comes to you with, I've got anxiety, I've got depression, I've got this? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I think I really cycled the two. Like I was self-medicating depression with probably depressant drugs, like um, just uh, marijuana and alcohol and that. And then um, as I started to get into amphetamines and narcotics and that, it was probably more the anxiety end. But I think it's they're very related, like the downers and the uppers and the, oh, oh, no, and then the, what's the point like this sort of yeah there's a little ecosystem of emotions that you can hang out in so um yeah I, re I really went through self-medicating it the wrong way and then finding like healthy practices i.e 
food, sleep and drinking water and exercise and that, you know, incredible benefits to mental health. And it's kind of common knowledge, but part of the reason I became a personal trainer was just to support people in getting into the habits and the routines and stuff. And, you know, there's, there's been times where I've been disappointed to lose someone, but it's really like, you know, good luck to you. You, you get it now. Like you just got to maintain a healthy lifestyle and you'll be okay. So yeah, that's, that's part of the reason I did that for so long as well. It was rewarding to see people's physical health um, upgrade their mental health. So yeah, that yeah. too. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's, um, mm. it's one of those things like I, when I went through one of my episodes, I then, when I was coming out of it, I just went for a walk every morning for eight days. So uh, the mm. first day I still felt bad, second day, but third day I felt great. Fourth day I was feeling better, fifth, sixth. By the seventh or eighth day, I, I went and got a haircut and I had a shave and, and there was just this massive change and it was due mm. to a change in, yeah, just get your body moving. So you know, going for a walk to clear your mind is is genuinely a thing. Yeah. Mm, mm. Do you agree? And persistence. Like the hardest thing is 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 um getting into the habits because if if it's I'll do it when I feel like it, then it's chaos. You know, it's sort of well, do I feel like it today? Not quite. No, okay, I won't do it. But if it's if it's five a.m. or five p.m. every day, then it just sort of happens whether you feel like doing it or not. So yeah, and uh, for me, the the qigong, so like tai chi. Um, it's like less fancy Tai Chi, just that's that's my yeah. lifeline. Like I've done it three times today already and um, I feel pretty damn good. It's just the calmness and, you know, you couldn't make me anxious if you wanted to today. I'm just super relaxed. I'll probably do it again later just because there's more time and, um, you know, I, I want I want to get four in. I just want to be like, yes, I did it four times today. But, uh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? You could shoot me with a gun and I'd be like, oh, that's a shame. <laughs> Damn, so you can't. So talk me through, I guess, the bio, biology and the and the mental of just breathing. Then um, why does that why does that work? So it's like, yeah, calm down, just breathe. Why, what, what's the, yeah, why does that work? Uh, okay, so if you look at it mathematically, and this is um, not totally the Qigong situation, but this is like me being conscious of the breathing within the Qigong and meditation and um, yoga nidra is like progressive relaxation of each body part, um, similar to the Vipassana technique. You know, people go stay in a monastery and you can't talk. It's like I got a mate that does that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, one of the things that I teach quite regularly is the, the full eight breaths. So if you breathe in for four beats and then exhale for eight, so you exhale twice as long as you inhale, um, your heart rate slows down. So... Uh, when we breathe in, the body's scanning for pathogens. You could be breathing in bushfire, smoke, or you know toxins, or whatever. So your body scans when you breathe in. Is it you know is there anything bad in this air? So it's kind of a little bit stressful. And if you exhale twice as much, then your heart gets to slow down twice as much. So again, when you breathe in, it might speed up again, but then exhale for eight beats, it'll slow down. So uh, what you're saying about walking and clearing your head, part of the reason that that feels really good is because our heart rate gets regulated by the the pace of the walking and we sort of get in a nice mood and then you think about the same problems in a nice mood we have different um solutions we go oh i guess i'll just do that you know then that, that'll solve that and it's very different to being in bed like what's the point i can't go outside i don't want to you know when you're outside and you're thinking about things it's i don't know the fresh air and the yeah the heart rate dropping it's just yeah it's magic and i guess simple that's things why, um I guess that's why seasonal affective disorder is such a big thing, you know, SAD, mm. like 
if you can't go outside and do that, get get your body moving thing, it's, it's very hard, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sunlight's really important. Sunlight, you know, yeah. water. So, mm. so I started taking uh, vitamin D tablets at the recommendation of a, of a friend of mine. He was like, get on them, like especially during winter, um, mm. you know, because if the sun isn't around, uh, it, it, it affects a lot of people. Mm. Yeah, and they have sun lamps for um, depression and anxiety and stuff as well. People get particular lamps that, uh, oh, yeah. that make you feel better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. when when would you use would you would you put that like beside your bed or when do you think I don't know what the recommendation is I'm not an expert in that um, <laughs> particular thing but uh yeah, yeah, yeah. it'd be seasonal definitely I think they'd they'd push it then but uh mm. yeah maybe if it's hard to get outside if you've lost mobility or just it's not happening because you can't face it and, you know yeah I've had periods of anxiety where I couldn't leave the house I failed year twelve actually the first time because I yeah I remember I had a do you remember videos we had an overnight video and kept it for eight days because i couldn't cross the road and return it the video shot was probably 100 meters up the road and i couldn't leave the house i just couldn't handle it so yeah yeah when i tell people that they go yeah me too got it yeah couldn't handle it totally you know so yeah it's kind of good in that way that i've got the back the back story where i can say not only do i empathize with you but i know how to get out of the hole that you're in as well that's been really useful how did you get out of that hole that that specific time? I mean, do, do you remember? Uh, I think it was incremental, like what you're saying about you walk eight days and you feel better on the sixth day or whatever. Um, but I just, I kept pushing myself past letting the anxiety win. Like, no, don't go, don't go to school. Like, don't go, you know, what if this happens? What if, what if someone sets you off and you have a panic attack or you get overwhelmed or, you know, yeah, the what if, and I was like, yeah, 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 what if I have a great day? What if, you know, I just learned to sort of um, reframe it, that sort of NLP, like, you know, arguing the positive in the face of the negative and that, which I think is a really, really important fundamental skill that they should probably teach you at schools. Um, you know, well, what's the positive of this, you know? Um, yeah, my partner, I said, what's what's good about the bushfire the other day? And, and I can't remember what she said, but it was very like, oh, yeah, that's that's a difficult that's a stretch, you know, that's a long bow to get to, um, you know, but at least people are banding together and, you know, Australians are really caring about each other right now and, you know, sure they're picking on the Prime Minister but it's also like brought up that policy's climate change, um, uh, that party's climate change policies and, you know, we're trying to find good things about it because obviously it's a tragedy and horrible and stuff at the moment. Mm. But, uh, yeah, there's, there's a silver lining to everything. Yeah, I don't know if it was you that told me this or, or maybe someone else, but I might give you credit to it because you're on the show. But um, if, if anything happens to you, you, you just have a look at, go, hang on, okay, so how is this serving me? How is this going to make me better? What am I learning? What am I learning from this situation? Every time that I've come back from something, I've learned something very valuable that I needed to know. And mm. um, so, yeah, having that outlook is really, it's hard. I get it. Like, when you're, when you're in the mind frame of not there, you, you're like, eh, stuff for you. Like, what I, what can I learn yeah. from this bad situation? I get that. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, and in the, in the, sorry, I just hit the chat. No, no. Yeah. No, of course. In, in the world, yeah, get the book. I'll yeah. get the book too. Yeah. You're there, get the book. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, so in the work that I do with the, the Chinese medicine chart, we, you know, we do a reframe for every emotions so you know what's what's good about depression what's good about anxiety 
um, in the process of um, working the meridians and stuff. So, you know, we rub pressure points to circulate, um, you know, the, 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 chi, the chi in that area. But it's, it's really kind of the glands. It's the hormones in the glands that we're addressing. But um, if you can say, what's the benefit of fear? Oh, fear is trying to protect me. Oh, anger is trying to protect me. You know, instead of like, oh, this is bad. How do I stop this feeling? You know, next time it comes up, you're like, okay, I could have been more prepared for this or something. You know, what, what can you take away from it? I, I think, um, you know, we try not to feel things. We try not to be depressed or whatever. And it's like maybe being at home for a few days and licking your wounds and trying to figure out what the lesson is, is what our body's forcing us to do. It's going, you need to learn from this or you're going to keep doing it. So we're going to stay home until you figure it out. You know, I, I think it's a very natural and very, it's a very powerful um side effect of this you know brilliant brain that we've that we're carrying around you know mm. definitely mm. definitely so you mentioned um and that's that's powerful so yeah there's the book <laughs> good old good old plug to the book that's a poster it's not the book yeah that's a poster yeah. um yeah let's, let's talk about that a little bit more like let's get in depth on it um so highly intoxicated youth you're mapping your journey from i guess a highly intoxicated youth into now a productive member of society doing things that you love doing and, and loving every mm. day uh, with a partner that you are meant to be with. Um, mm. Shout out. <laughs> so, so yeah, let's, um, how, yeah, tell us, tell us a bit more about the, about the book and, and how that's going. Yeah, well, it actually, um, it started as a, a series of journals. So I was just kind of journaling, just for my own amusement and I'd write down my epiphanies and draw pictures and and I wrote down quotes of when people said something that was hilarious I'd write down the quotes and then um one day I was like flicking back through them because I had three I had three that were Phil and I was like this is hilarious like if it made sense to another person you know this would be this would be comedy gold and then 20 years later I typed it up sent it to publishers typed it up again lost the computer that it was on so I had to like start again and then had it professionally edited two or three times finally got a publisher who was like yeah this is gold like we, we this fits like our brand and stuff and then um now i'm publishing another book with um a different publisher because they gave me a slightly better deal and it's a better it's like a more international um better distribution company um because i know how to write books now i know how to get them from like ideas into into that but it, it actually just started out as like the scrolling of the madman you know as a, as a teenage dirtbag you know and then uh now it's a book that uh, people you know email me or message people me on, buy on, on amazon instagram or it's hilarious instagram or your website <laughs> Got a lot yeah, of plug. Yeah. yeah no i i i saw that process actually um i remember uh hanging out with you and you're saying yeah i'm writing a book i'm writing a book i'm talking to these people about it um, but you actually saw it through, and I think that's something you mentioned mm. that your laptop got lost, um, and then you started yeah. again. Like so many people go, I want to write a book, and then nothing happens. So yeah, you had a bit of grit there. Tell me about the grit. Um, I think you know the the manuscript sat on the shelf with ticks and crosses on it for probably five or six years, and it's just like, oh, I got to pay someone else to type this thing out again. You know, I'll get some younger person to pay them. 10 bucks an hour and I knew that I had something though I knew that it was funny I knew that it was insightful I knew that it was like dramatic and you know for all the right reasons you know harsh realities and stuff I knew the happily ever after was nice the, the lessons were all there 
um, the violence and there's promiscuity and like it's controversial enough to get attention and helpful enough to be, um, you know, respectable and insightful and stuff as well. So I I knew I had a good thing. And um, my second book was in my head for probably two years um, before I really wrote it. I just kind of was visualising the story unfolding and it's like, oh, what is that? And then I realised it's another book and um, it's much, much shorter. But the company um, that picked it up, they really liked it. They're like, oh, this is a cool, it's like a post-apocalyptic wasteland. And, you know, what really matters when you got nothing, which was sort of, you know, that that druggy, homeless level that, you know, I've participated in with it. There is no idealism. There's no political correctness. It's just like, how are we going to survive? You know, it's this survival thing. And, you know, all you've got are the people that care about you at that level. And that's the thing is these, these people sort of on the surface of the planet just trying not to die. I think um, this might be a contentious question, but have you dealt with death? Have you dealt with death in, uh, on a personal level? Yeah, and actually I wrote a part of the reason I got into writing comprehensively, I wrote a, a um, piece for Elephant Journal that's called Warm. And it was sort of, it's not entirely true. It was about, um, you know, my friend who I was secretly in love with and then I put it like she died before I ever got to tell her and I wish I'd been more brave about it. You know, I wish I'd been vulnerable because vulnerability is so hot right now, obviously. Um, but the the actual, oh, she's dead now and I held her hand and it's not warm anymore was like my grandmother when my grandmother died. And, you know, when I had the funeral, I was like, oh, she's dead. Like when you see them, it's like, oh, okay. And, you know, it, it had never been anyone that close before. I'd sort of been to other funerals of like my dad's friend and, you know, this kind of thing. And there's actually a lot of guys in the area that I grew up in, like, killed themselves like I don't know the thread of um you know feeling disconnected or whatever something to do with this area and this socioeconomic class or whatever or or people not doing what they wanted to do with their lives and getting so miserable they couldn't tell anyone but nobody saw it coming any of the times no one was like oh yeah he was really messed up just like everyone was like what the hell that just came out of nowhere yeah that's a real thread of um, that's really sad part that's a really sad part especially when that happens it's you know, I urge anyone to speak out if you're feeling that way, of course. Um, you know, there's a lot of things beyond blue, uh, better help everywhere. Um, you know, reach out to those because those are the, you know, those are the worst ones when it comes out of nowhere. Like you, you don't get a chance to say goodbye. The reason I, um, sorry, the reason I asked the question is because you were talking about perspective and then what really matters. And, and when you, mm. you know, I've, I've dealt with, um, family members passing away and uh, when that happens you realize just how much matters actually matters um, and mm. it's you know powerful perspective change mm. yeah, yeah 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 humbling him hey? some things can it really is. humble you it is. yeah um so we mentioned off camera yeah, so I'll move on. We, we mentioned off camera that you, uh, you're rebranding. Um, you've actually changed your mm. Facebook profile. You're speaking. Mm. Don't worry, I'm watching. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so, so what, are you, what are you aiming to do and, and um, yeah, where are you heading uh, for 2020? Yeah, I think that the hooligan image really worked for, you know, the book's obviously about hooliganism and um, – Personal training is like quite competitive. Like uh, there's a lot of trainers out there. There's a lot of gyms. Um, there's a lot of ways you can get fit. And um, being a bit of a smart ass kind of got me a lot of attention, you know, in, in school as well, obviously. But 
particularly on the internet, like being very polarizing wins, you know, and on dating sites, apparently that being a very polarizing character rather than trying to be something to everyone that that doesn't work as you, as you would know. Um, so uh, being polarizing, just, it really works for me getting personal training clients, getting a martial arts um, school following. And, you know, I attracted this real thread of um, like dirty nerds is, is what I called that demographic, dirty nerds. So just very smutty, but very intelligent, you know, not so much like fart jokes, but really intricate sexual humor that was like, oh, that's disgusting. That's very clever, you know. But it was this this real thread of it. And I, I think that that um, is, you know, sort of highbrow, lowbrow humor, like but mixing those two things together attracted this sort of group of people who were sort of intelligent, but um, but also cheeky and who are up for a bit of a tongue-in-cheek, you know, culture. And then that's just, it really perpetuated itself because everyone liked each other based on that the antics that I used to magnetize people, they liked each other for those reasons as well. So it was like cheeky culture around um, the martial arts and the personal training businesses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that worked. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But you, you sort of, are you saying you're rebranding away from that image now or, or what's. Yeah. 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 So um, I'm, I'm going more clean cut, um, uh, more reliable. And, and honestly, I, I've been, conscientious, academic, um, very sort of, uh, what's the word, conservative, you know, a conservative investor. Um, and, you know, I, people are out drinking. Obviously, I'm not. Like, I'm, I'm at home on a Friday, Saturday night watching Netflix, behaving myself with, you know, preferably with my girlfriend over under one arm, you know, just, you know, I lead a pretty quiet, um, introverted life. You know, I get up and do Qigong, I do some martial arts, whatever, I'm pretty healthy and and so um, going in that direction, it's just selling different parts of me instead of cheekiness and sort of uh, highbrow, lowbrow humor. I'm like, I'm a pretty conscientious member of society and I keep up these practices to maintain wellness in myself. And, you know, I do my best to keep leveling up just so that I maintain my own self-respect. Like I'm not doing it for myself, but if, if, I, if I quit drinking coffee for a couple of days, that's just to impress myself, you know, it's not someone told me to or you know I'm trying to impress my parents or anything um so I think I'm just I'm showing different sides of myself to um to appeal to a different um audience you know and it's it's starting to happen already yeah yeah awesome awesome man I think that's uh that's a really awesome place to leave it actually um but uh Mm -hmm. I, I just got sort of two more questions um one is I, I, I sort of said it. Yeah, what are you doing in the next sort of month or so? What are you releasing? New book, new, new program, new website. What's yeah? What's on the, on the horizon? Uh, yeah. So uh, michaelzuper.com. Um, I finally bought that domain um, under some advice, and so on that at the moment there is a webinar for achievers. It's anxiety um, techniques to reduce anxiety and like you were saying about walking eight days in a row, like it'll help if you do them regularly, but it can also be emotional first aid. And um, on the the last page, there's a page, um, yin while you're winning, yinning for winners, which is like a hashtag I've been pushing for a couple of years. And it's got um, a chigong video. So it's me just doing the, the movements and the breathing. So, it, you know, that's useful if you're, if you're having a bad day or if you're planning to have a good day. So it's, it's both, you know, you get up early and do some of that, you can have a good day no matter what. Or if you're having a bad time, you can't sleep at night, that, that's good for that. And, and I've got the Yogi Nidra on, which is just my voice saying, like, think about your thumb, think about your ring finger, 
think about your pinky finger and just to, you know, to shut you down. And I don't think anyone's completed it without falling asleep. Like it's, um, it'll put you to sleep if you can't sleep. So, so that's there. And, um, yeah, if, if you've got anxiety or you're struggling to get out the door to, to get onto things, I'd recommend watching the webinar because, um, it's, it's really useful. I've given away a bunch of stuff in there that, that really has helped me and it's helped other people that I've worked with. So, Sweet. yeah, michaelzuper.com. Yeah, yeah, and that, that sort of actually leads me to my, my last question is, yeah, if somebody's heard something on this episode, uh, yeah, how do they reach out to yourself? What's the best way? Obviously the website, but do you have an email or, or something that you want people to contact you through? Um, like the page, Z Talks, like Ted Talks, Z-E-D, Z Talks um, on Facebook. The logo looks like a TED Talks logo, so yeah, oh, that's him. That's a good one. And then there's a bunch of stuff there. And um, Facebook, Michael Zupa or michaelzupa.com, and there's links to all the YouTube, Instagrams and stuff. Um, the Instagram is introvert extra with an underscore, so introvert underscore extra. You can contact me there, and uh, that's fun. It's, it says memes for quiet achievers, introvert extra, memes for quiet achievers. Love it, love it. All right, Michael, look, thank you for coming on. You've been Michael, I've been Tim, we've been talking. And uh, yeah, cheers. Thanks, man. Hey. All right, there you have it. The episode with Michael Zuper. I hope you guys really enjoyed it and got some value from it. If you want to learn more about Michael, you can go to his website, michaelzuper.com, or you can read his book, Highly Intoxicated Youth. I'll put the links to all of that in the description below. But now, if you guys can do me a massive favor and give us a five-star written review on iTunes, it really helps the show out if you do that, and it would make my day. Now let's talk to you guys a little bit about podcast production. If you're listening along to this show and thinking, wow, I would love my own podcast and I would love all of the content that comes off the back end of that. This is something I'd like to help you through. I'm already working with some amazing clients and the marketing deliverables that we're giving to them and the things they're doing with it on the back end is really, really fantastic. So if you want to have a conversation with me, you can email me at tim at beantalking.com.au. Again, the links to that will also be in the description on the show. Apart from that, I'll see you guys in the next episode.